tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor, and it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection, and I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. So glad you are here. This week, I was supposed to be interviewing my brother, which I pitched last week and was super stoked about it, Um, but we had a little glitch in our audio file, and it's getting resolved, and we will have that episode for you next week, but this week, I asked my tribe inside the Facebook group what they wanted me to talk about, and you guys responded with a great topic, and that is, how do you view scripture? What an open-ended question, right? But it's a great one. How do you view scripture? How do you interpret scripture? Where do you pull um, your information from? How do you make it actually seem like it's interesting? And, And how do you wrestle with it? And what do you do with all those scary parts in it, right? Like so much involved on that topic. And you know what? I'm super honest today and I just tell you like it is from my point of view and where I've landed in my relationship with this very sacred book. So excited that you're here today and I have to plug again this amazing Facebook group that I would love for you to be a part of. If you want to join in the conversation, we would love to have you in it. Uh, You can go to my website, justajesusfollower.com backslash podcast, backslash podcast group. You can opt in there and check your email because after you opt in, I will email you and you'll be in and then we can keep talking and maybe you can pitch the next idea for another podcast. So love you guys. I love this topic and I can't wait to hear feedback and can't wait to connect with you guys after the episode. So without any further ado, here we go. So this week we are pulling from the tribe inside our Facebook group and the tribe wanted me to talk about the Bible and how I use the Bible to to benefit my relationship with God, how I interpret scripture, how I pull from scripture, how I view scripture. Um, that is such a deep topic and oddly enough can bring a lot of tension um, between different groups who have different ways of viewing the Bible. And so today I'm going to hit that. I'm going to talk about that. And and I hope you find it enlightening. I hope you find it uh, meaningful and a benefit to your own faith journey. So um, when I think about the Bible, I think of 
gosh, my whole upbringing, all the things that it meant growing up to me. You know, I grew up in the evangelical faith movement where the Bible was viewed as infallible, where it was viewed as the end-all be-all answer book. I remember ever, you know, having questions growing up and the teachers over me, they would say, that's a great question. Let's turn to the scripture and find an answer. And so it was this very understood system of belief that any question I had in life, the answer could be found in the Bible. I was taught that the Bible was the absolute truth and that I should defend it um, beyond all measure, you know, um, we were encouraged that that it was something to be preached and taught and, and that people even gave their lives for the message inside the Bible. And so I had this very um, narrow, innocent, beautiful view of it. You know, it, it was it was this perfect book. It was this perfect word of God. That's what I was taught. And in my early teenage years, that was when I really connected with scripture. And I think many people who are Christ followers, who've um, journeyed in their spiritual walk, trying to live like Jesus, trying to find connection with the divine, often have some sort of encounter with scripture where they would say to you, I remember this time when I opened the Bible and the words jumped off the page. And I remember when I connected with this particular passage. You know, most of us have a passage or two or three or four or 40 um, or even stories in the Bible where we feel almost as though they are our own stories. One of the pastors at my church um, has this beautiful take on scripture where she believes all of us are in scripture. She believes that there is a story for every single one of us written in the pages of scripture. And when she does funerals, um, which she has done two of my family members' funerals, she really soul searches and, and tries to connect with this person's story and try to find their story in scripture. And I will never forget how moved I was by her comparison of my grandmother to a woman in scripture and her comparison of my my uncle to the good samaritan i mean there was just this beautiful tie of of stories with the lives of people living today and so there's so many different depths that our souls can journey in our spiritual walk with god and when you bring in these powerful stories um from the past and when you bring to light certain things in the Bible that speak to your life currently. It's a powerful experience. And so um, I find the Bible to be inspiring. I find it to be ever-changing. I find it to be powerful and meaningful and, and so layered and yet so mysterious and complicated all at the same time. But I find it to be a beautiful, beautiful work. Unfortunately, the Bible can also have this negative connotation for many people where they have felt abused by words inside of that book, or they have felt um, silenced or quieted or made to feel small, made to feel as though they don't matter and that their story is wrong or um, just very, very hurt 
by by words in the Bible. And you know, there you'll hear that phrase you know, the Bible should not be used as a weapon, but then you equally hear people say, it's the sword, (laughs) you know, use it to, to cut through truth and lies. And so it's, it's a very complicated message that is sent to you growing up with this belief, um, that I should not use the Bible to hurt people, but yet I should also use the Bible to correct and to, um, dissect truth from non-truth, which can become quite tricky. And so, I came with with this innocence, like I said, this um, very high, high view of of the place of scripture. And and as I grew into adulthood and grew into life um, beyond those borders, I ran into some some questions. I ran into some struggles with scripture, and and I had to do some wrestling with scripture. And I believe that that's a good thing in the Jewish culture. And I learned this recently. I did not know this for a very long time, but I love this tradition. They have a very, very deep-rooted tradition of arguing with and against Scripture. And they find that they learn better that way. And so their idea of a Bible study would include people gathering around a passage or a story, what have you, and all of these people arguing different points of view about what this passage could mean. And it's not done in anger. It's not done in I'm right and you're wrong. It's done in the idea of there are so many different ways we can view this. And the only way we can grow is to learn from all the views, you know? And I just find that fascinating because I certainly did not grow up in cultures where that was common. I didn't grow up in cultures where that was really allowable. I don't remember feeling that I had permission to argue or question or view a different angle of scripture other than what was taught to me. And so when I grew into my faith, as I like to call that, because I do think faith is something that that grows with us, um, as I grew into it, and I'm still growing in my faith, I learned that that's okay. I learned that that scripture is meant to be wrestled with. It deserves that. I I believe when you view scripture as that, you're giving it an even higher place because you're 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 counting the words as words that matter. You're counting the stories and the culture and the time and the people and the places and the and the dynamics involved. You're you're weighing all of that with such a high priority and a heaviness that you believe it deserves to be scrutinized. You believe it deserves to be wrestled with. You believe that it deserves to be dug into and really um, fought with at times. And I and I view scripture that way. Now, that doesn't mean that I have always <laughs> come out wrestling understanding. You know, that doesn't mean that, that everything in, in the Bible can be figured out. And I think that 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 was one thing that I really feel like gave me room to breathe in my relationship with Scripture is that I needed to step away from the the viewpoint of it as being the answer book. I really did because I run into questions that aren't in the Bible. In life, I do. Um, 
I run into situations that I can't always find an exact answer for, or I find multiple answers for, or I find that, well, in one passage it says this, but in another passage it totally says a different point of view. You know, what do I do with that? And so for me, letting go of the idea of it having to have all the answers relieved me greatly. Instead, I now have been able to view scripture as a a breathing thing that that I can look at and find newness in every time I read it and can search and find something different that I never would have found before. I can have an experience and encounter with it that is not like a library where I, you know or a Google search engine where I'm just typing in my question and expecting the answer to pop up immediately. But instead it's something I have to get to know. I have to to really engage with the Holy Spirit in. And I think that when you begin to do that it takes on a whole new life and a better one. <laughs> At least that's been my experience. Um I've often um felt like there was this view of scripture in many um, groups that I've been a part of where it's it's held in this in this seat of it being called the word of God and and that we cannot question it going back to that whole idea we can't argue with it we can't even um, maybe embrace different views or or ideas or even entertain different thought processes but we have to be afraid of anything that would that would question you know what we've been taught is the absolute word of god and i i didn't ever like the t- the tightness of that that felt so um so small and so I, I remember when I was um, wrestling with that whole idea because there were, was a lot of arguing going on culturally at the time between it's the absolute word of God. No, it's not the absolute word. And people just, you know, went bonkers back and forth. And these are all people that claim to love Jesus. So it was just a very ugly argument, which you may have experienced some arguments like that on your own. Um and I remember sitting down with the Bible and, and this book that I've journeyed with and that I love and that is such a deep-rooted part of my story and my journey. And, and one verse came to me, which was the verse that talks about how the Word was with God in the beginning and the Word was God, right? Remember that? And it's referencing Jesus, Jesus being the Word of God. And when I clicked those two thoughts together, I was so relieved because I no longer felt this burden to defend the Bible as, as an actual piece of, of um, I mean, it's a sacred piece. I'm not, I don't ever want to minimize that, but it, it is not God himself. The word of God is Jesus. The Bible speaks to that. The Bible testifies to that. And so someone asked me the other day, well, do you believe the word of God to be true? And I said, well, absolutely. I said, I believe the word of God to be what the Bible tells me it is, which is Jesus. And I believe him to be absolutely infallible and perfect and true. So when I say the word of God, I am always going to be referencing Jesus because that is what the Bible says it is. 
I don't really know when people decided that the book itself was the Word of God. I don't know when that language came about. But for someone who grew up in the church, it certainly made things confusing because I literally believed that, you know, God himself spoke this book, which leads me to my first point. You know, many people um, have struggled with, and I've sat with many of them, where they say, if this is the, the word of God, I don't like what I'm reading. I don't like reading about genocide. I don't like reading about how women have to be silent in church. I don't like reading about how races can't be mixed. I don't like reading about slavery. I don't, you know, if this is the breathed word of God, I have a problem. And I, and I understand those fears. I understand those um, moments. And I think when, when someone allows themselves to think that way, it, it's a beautiful moment in their journey because they're actually beginning to engage and wrestle with Scripture, which is exactly what we should be doing. And so I get that. And I don't like those parts in Scripture either. And so what has freed me from that tension that I have felt at times when I read things that go, wait, God told you to kill your son? Wait, God said to go and murder all the women and children and animals and leave nothing behind? Wait, God said that? The God of mercy, the God of grace, the God of freedom, the God of Jesus? I don't understand this. This is not, that does not speak to me. That does not resonate with the God that I know. And I've come to a place where I sincerely believe that the Bible is inspired by God. I believe that. I believe that these amazing men and women of faith who have these incredible encounters of God. I mean, you look at people like Abraham. You look at people like like, um, like Moses. That's one of my favorite stories in scripture of what Moses did. I mean, it's remarkable. And I have, that's, you know, I said, everyone has a story in scripture. Well, that is one of the stories that has just resonated with me throughout so many of life's valleys. I, there has been so much that has just literally jumped off the page through, through that story for me. It has a very deep personal meaning to me that I can't even really explain to you. Like it's just something on the inside of me that when I read that story, everything in me resonates with it and everything in me holds to it tightly. And and it's like God himself speaks through the words to me, right? So using that example, you look at Moses and you're like, oh my goodness, this is an amazing amazing man who had an amazing account encounter with God and therefore did amazing things, right? That's what I view scripture as to me. It is recordings of amazing men and women who had encounters with God and what God was able to do through them. That's why it's so inspiring. But threaded through all of that is the storyline of Jesus. You know, he is the main character. He is what the whole thing is leading up to. And so when we get to Jesus, he kind of throws the whole thing on its head because up until that point in scripture, you're reading about God being angry. You're reading about God being punishing. You're reading about God being, (coughs) excuse me, mad at everybody at times and wiping people out with floods. And I mean, it's just this very volatile situation is happening, right? 
But then you also see beautiful moments of God being redemptive and God being merciful and forgiving, like with David. Um, just as an example, you know, there's all these little glimpses of a kind, loving, safe, nonviolent, non angry God. But it's kind of this mixed bag. And so then you get to Jesus, and Jesus just completely unravels this whole idea of of a god who's who's angry because Jesus didn't embody that like he came and was so different than anybody they had seen before and you have to remember when the bible was recorded when all of these stories were happening and when people were taking pen you know their little little ink and whatever they used to write with right when they're when they're writing these down and they're and they're sharing these stories with their children and their children's children and they believed in many gods that's in the bible you can do your research and see that they they believed in many gods and the the thing that was so amazing about the god of abraham is that this God continued to show up differently. For instance, many of the gods they believed required child sacrifice. That was very common, very normalized. But then you see Abraham believing he now must sacrifice his own child to please his God, the God of Abraham. But what does that God do? He stops child sacrifice and says, no, this is not needed. And so over and over again, you see God showing up in these little glips throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament where God is giving mankind a different picture of all of the gods that they had understood, quote unquote, God to be like. And so we see Jesus and he just embodies this different idea of God and godlyhood. He completely throws the whole thing out of whack and it made people angry but it also touched the people who were the most oppressed it also touched the people who were the most vulnerable it connected with the majority of people who were on the bottom right because in most societies you have the few up on top and then a large lump sum on the bottom right He didn't touch the ones on the top the way that he resonated with the ones on the bottom, which made him very different. And so we see this this Jesus character come into play and just give us a walking, living, breathing picture of the God that this, from our point of view, the the Bible, the storyline has been leading up to. And one of the interesting things about Jesus was that even he had favorite authors in scripture that he would quote. Even he had scriptures that he would reference. And he also had scriptures in the Bible that he completely went against. So you even see in his example, this wrestling and this deciphering and this sorting through all of these recordings of this line of faith, right? And showing you that to live like God looks like engaging with the divine on a daily basis, which is leading me into um, this whole idea of relationship. You know, I don't know when that became super trendy. I grew up with it. I'm assuming that maybe um, 
the generation before me really got excited about this idea of a relationship with Jesus, right? That became the altar call message. It's, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. I couldn't agree more. I think we have misadvertised um, what that really means, but I am completely in agreement with it being about relationship. So the relationship element um, really comes into play when we look at scripture because you have, hopefully in your life, you have um, an experience with the divine. You have an experience with the Holy Spirit. You have an experience with something other than this world connecting with you. And when that connection happens, it changes you. It marks you. It moves you. It it leads you into new revelations and new ways of thinking. And it changes patterns. And it heals wounded parts of you, right? Like it's those moments of actual engagement that that's where I believe so much of the real work happens. And so you have recorded through scripture, recorded through the Bible, you have pictures of men and women doing that. They didn't have the scriptures like we do. They just had a connection with the divine, with the Holy Spirit, with that current. They were plugged into that. And so we see what they were able to do with that power source, with that connection. And it was amazing. And then, like I said, we lead up to Jesus who embodies that 24-7 and holy cow, did things get real, right? People having major healings, people rising from the dead, prostitutes being seen as equal. I mean, what's happening, right? Like, what is this? What is happening? Well, this is what engagement with the divine on a constant 24-7 basis does. There's something that that connection does that doesn't happen when you're just putting your head in a textbook. We see that with the Pharisees. And even Jesus said to the Pharisees, you speak about the scriptures as though they're what's giving you eternal life. But eternal life is right here. It's right here. I'm right here. It's all speaking to me. The whole book, all the scriptures, they're, they're speaking to me. They're speaking about me being here, showing you this, right? But they were so caught up in the black and white in the what we would now reference the Bible. They were so caught up in what is right and what is wrong, who is in and who is out, Looking at it, like I said, like a Google search engine, like, well, well, we have to now search in this question and find an answer. And then when we find it, that's it. Instead of living in such a way where they're connected and using experience with the divine, with the Holy Spirit to lead their life. And you see something very dead, which is how the Pharisees life really looked. And then you see something very alive, which is how Jesus looked and Jesus was not with his nose in the scriptures the whole time. He was out living life in connection with a moving, breathing divine being. That's what he was. And we do see him argue with scripture. We see him agree with scripture. And then we see him disagree with scripture. So you see the whole bag with him. And so to me, that sets an example of the importance of living your life with God 
not just through a lens of black and white scripture, although it's important and although it's life-giving and amazingly beneficial, and you can gain so much with it, but not unless you're connected with experience with the divine at the same time, not unless you're there and living and breathing and moving with the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit moves you to do may look different than what it moves your neighbor to do, right? Like what I gather from scripture, what jumps off the page at me may be completely different than what jumps off the page at you. And that's okay. That's okay. Remember, um, when Jesus was speaking to people who would often ask him, how do I get into heaven? Right? That was a question that seemed to be quite popular, at least as is recorded in scripture. And you see him give multiple different answers. You know, he tells the one guy, go sell everything. That's how you'll get in. And then he tells someone else something completely different. And so it's like you could, if you just based your theology off of what Jesus himself spoke in real time to one person, the only way for us to get into heaven would be to sell everything we have. But we know that doesn't apply to everyone. That applied to that person. And my point in that example is that when you're connected with the divine, when you're connected with Jesus, when you're connected with God, whatever label you want to put on it, it may speak to you something vastly different than it speaks to someone else. And that's okay. The Bible itself gives us pictures of that through Jesus. And so living to live free from the idea that this is a one-size-fits-all book and that this is a one-answer, one-method, one-formula book, letting go of that and learning to live more like Jesus and the example he set in his relationship with Scripture and in his constant relationship with, with God, it liberated me so much and scripture became so much more enjoyable and so much more alive and so much more freeing. And so I see now, as I look at scripture, I look at all of it through the lens of Jesus, every single part of it, because I think that that's what the whole book is trying to get our attention towards. And so I do see this continual revelation of God through scripture. I see that. You see that movement in the story. But at the same time, I see man's complete misunderstanding of God through the whole thing too. And so when you are able to look at scripture through both of those angles, it makes so much more sense and then it gets so much more complicated. all at once. And, you know, if you like certainty, if you like having every answer with every I dotted and every T crossed, I don't think that reading scripture with an engagement with the Holy Spirit can offer you that. I think that you may walk away with more questions and answers. And I think we have to be okay with that. Back to my point about the relationship piece with Jesus. Um, When we say relationship, the only way you and I know how to understand relationship is to look at the people in our life, right? Like spouses, like children, like friends, like family. And I I don't know that I would ever look at my child and say, um, 
if I can't know everything about you with zero uncertainty, then I don't want to know you at all. I would never say that. This is an example that Paul Young uses. Um, at least I heard him use it in an interview and I loved it. And so I'm, I'm giving him credit because this came from him and it just, it, it resonated with me. But it's this idea that we wouldn't talk to our, our family members that way with that kind of verbiage. You know, when you enter into a relationship with someone, you're entering into a mystery. You are entering into uncertainty because they will grow and they will change and they will move and they will be unpredictable because they're, they're not you, right? And so when I engage in a relationship with someone, I'm uncovering that mystery. Like my children who I birthed, well, my oldest is adopted, but still I feel like I birthed her too. Um, but my children, like I look at them and I can tell you so much about them. I can tell you what their favorite foods are. I can tell you what their favorite colors are. I can tell you what their favorite Paw Patrol characters are at the moment. I could, I could tell you a list of facts about my children, but all of that could change tomorrow. I, my children who came from me, who live with me, who, who are so much inside of my soul and in my heart, I carry these little people so closely and yet I have to continue to follow the mystery of them. I have to continue to engage in a relationship with them and find new things about them because what I find out today may be different than what I knew yesterday and I have to be okay with that to be in relationship. Relationship is not about certainty. Relationship is not about predictability. Relationship is not about having all of the answers spelled out for you. Certainty requires zero faith. Like to have faith, you have to be okay with things being uncertain. That's where faith is. It's in admitting I don't know at all. In fact, the older I get, the less I realize I know. But I have faith that God is good. But I have faith that this thing is real. But I have faith that he's moving And he's connected with me. And so I just do my best to jump in that current and go with it, right? And so the verbiage that we use with our children, we should be able to use with God. We should be able to use with Jesus. This idea of relationship does involve a mystery. And so I I don't view the Bible as something I completely understand, as something I completely can wrap my head around. Although I try, although I definitely do my homework, I do research. I, I love one of my favorite things. Um, and this question came up in the, um, in our Facebook group, someone had asked, you know, how do you, how do you study it? How do you study scripture? And I, I've learned that it comes the most alive for me when I'm able to put myself in that scene. So if, you know, the scene is happening in a story in scripture, I try to dig through other resources to find out what was happening politically in that time period in that country. I try to figure out what was the, um, the climate like, you know, as far as the people goes, um, what were the major points of, of stress in those people's lives? What was the major point of contention? what was happening, right? Like what was the vibrations going on in that place at that time? 
And it really does help me understand culturally what is going on, and it brings these words to an even greater depth. I also try to understand the author. You know, um, Paul's a good example. When Paul is teaching certain things, um, I try to pay attention to his storyline, where he came from. And he has quite the story. It helps you understand him a little bit better. Um, We will never know the depths of, of the characters we see played out in Scripture. We just won't. The only character that you have a chance of getting to know is the one that the whole book talks about, which is Jesus. That's really the only one that you have a chance to really engage with at a level of relationship. And so all the other players involved... I have to do my best with history, which I love history. You hear me talk about that um, quite a bit. I'm actually writing a book that's um, very deeply rooted in history, and oh, I'm loving it. But um, I, I only have stories of these people and time periods to dig in to try to figure out where their headspace may have been, and even then, it's just a guess. But but it is interesting and it does help me understand um, the rhythm of some of these characters in scripture. It does. It helps. So there are many great resources. Um, but I, I try to look at, like I said, the whole thing through the eyes of Jesus. And so when I come across a story that is disturbing, such as, you know, we'll take, for example, uh, the genocide issue in the Old Testament, which brings a lot of people to um, not a happy place with God when they read that story, because scripture tells us that God was behind all of that. And a lot of people can argue it away very easily by, well, we just don't understand the ways of God. We just don't understand them. So, you know, you just, just have to have faith that God's good and he had a reason for it. I'm sorry. No, no. I'm supposed to just wash my hands of the idea that a quote-unquote good God was okay murdering babies? No. No. (laughs) Like, that is never going to sit well with me or with the experience that I have with the God I know. Or with the picture I see with God stopping Abraham from murdering his own son. Or with the picture of Jesus bringing children back to life, right? Like, it doesn't add up. And so I look at that story and I see mankind doing what mankind still does today, which is blaming God for things God had nothing to do with, which is believing that God um, is in this angry box ready to just smite people out of anger because He's right and they're wrong. You know, that, that's how a lot of people still view God today. So am I surprised that it was recorded by people, that that's what they believed about God? No. In fact, I think it's important to the scripture and important to us today to understand that people have misunderstood the ways of God all the way back. And thankfully... The Bible doesn't end there. Thankfully, it goes on to show us Jesus who corrects that misunderstanding, who shows us a divine picture of someone actually letting people murder him instead of him doing the murdering. So again, I I look at these scriptures 
in light of Jesus as best I can. Am I getting all of it right? I'm sure not. I don't think anybody ever will. And I think that we need to be okay with that. I think the the best attempt we have, though, at getting somewhere close to right is holding really closely to the experience piece of working side by side with the Holy Spirit and working side by side with the lens of, okay, what does this look like in light of Jesus? Because Jesus came to give us a picture of God. So when I look at Jesus's life in comparison to this story or this particular passage of scripture that I'm struggling with or what have you, okay, how does that line up with the picture of Jesus? Is this a, is this a revelation of God or is this a revelation of mankind? And that has simplified a lot of the tension for me in scripture. It certainly hasn't um, relieved all of it. Um, I'm on a journey just like all of you are, but it certainly has helped. So I hope this, this sheds a little bit of light onto um, my relationship with scripture and my relationship with, with um, the divine in the middle of it. And um, one of my favorite podcasts, I'm going to plug this one because it has helped me immensely, is the Bible for Normal People. I listen to it every episode they publish. And Pete Enns is um, brilliant. And his his teachings and his views and his revelations and his understanding of culture and context and scripture and the whole thing is just been a breath of fresh air for me. So I encourage you if you want to go deeper into the intricacies of scripture and how it can look when you're looking at it through a lens like this, like what I'm talking about, that's a great podcast to check out. Um, so Thank you for joining us today. I I hope that this um, breathed some life into your your relationship with the divine and your relationship with scripture, and and I hope that this was meaningful. Um, I would love to to hear what you thought about this, and maybe your own struggles or tensions or um, ways you have wrestled with scripture, how you view it, or your upbringing with it, all the things. I would love to to engage with that and hear where you're coming from um, because we're all learning, we're all growing, and I'd love to hear from you. So um, the Facebook group is a great way to do that. I'm, I'm in there every day, and I love engaging with the members in there, and um, we would love to have you a part of it. So if you want to opt in, you can go to my website, just a Jesus follower backslash podcast backslash podcast group and you can opt in there and when you opt in check your email because I will send you an invite in your email so um love this conversation I do and thank you to the behind the mirror podcast group for giving me this great idea of what to talk about and I hope I did the subject justice um can't wait to hear from you guys and I look forward to our episode next week with my brother finally we will be talking next week can't wait for you guys to meet him and um we'll see you then hey there I hope you enjoyed the conversation today you can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. 
In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.